Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 EdTech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. This week, we look at the importance of community to the work of integrating and maintaining EdTech in schools. The pandemic really exposed the need to improve communications and educate not just students, but also teachers, administrators, parents, and others in order to make these sort of initiatives a success. Let's get started. First, according to results from a national survey from education nonprofit Gradient Learning, educators who use technology as part of their teaching practice report that they are more aware of their students' individual needs, that was a 61% return, and more likely to leverage technology purposely to tailor learning for their students, also at 61%, which is kind of interesting. The Gradient Learning Poll is conducted in partnership with Project Tomorrow, a nationally recognized education nonprofit organization with a focus on understanding the impact of new learning models and interventions on student outcomes and teacher effectiveness. In spring of 2021, the Gradient Learning Poll conducted an online survey of 1,418 teachers and school leaders across the country to better understand their views on the state of education. And as someone who's covered the promise of ed tech for many years, this is a heartening sign that the conversation about computers in classrooms is finally over. Of course, the debate should remain about how to best use tech or best how not to use tech. But this original canard of whether we should just keep classrooms free of technology can finally be put to rest now, I think. You can read more about the survey and even download the thing up on the news feed at eSchool News under the title, Teachers Using Technology Report. Next, Lacey Gosh, she's the Assistant Superintendent of Technology at Judson Independent School District, writes an interesting essay called Five Tips to Build Community-Wide Support for IT Transformation. And that's also up on the top news stories for this week. She writes that when everyone understands the impact digital transformation has, IT leaders will have the support they need to bring important initiatives to fruition. She obviously shares five tips. I'll, I'll tease you with three. The number one, paint a picture in real terms. She writes, it's easy to get caught up in technical nuances when discussing district needs, but many community members don't understand the depths of technology infrastructure. This requires us to step out of our tech bubbles and change the way we communicate. Tailor conversations to non-technical audiences by painting a picture of how technology investments and lack thereof can and will affect staff, students, parents, and the community at large. Ask yourself, how can I relate to this to an everyday person? If I was a teacher or a parent, how would this impact me? For example, Judson ISD is in the middle of upgrading our camera systems to increase campus security. However, many of our older schools have switches that power the cameras, and they're installed in classroom cabinets that are simply plugged into the wall and easily accessible. Some individuals may not view that as a problem or liability, so I have to outline the ramifications of one individual unplugging a cabinet in order to demonstrate the need. Next, another tip she has, plan for future growth sustainability. Many districts use bond funds to replace systems, which can be very effective, but they need to have a plan to sustain and maintain those systems long-term. Every system comes with a cost, so developing a plan to spread those management, maintenance, and optimization costs 
and spread them out over time is very important. And if we're going to ask taxpayer dollars for IT investments, it's our duty to be responsible and spend wisely. And finally, reduce technology footprint in the classroom. She writes, one misconception about IT is that we believe more technology is always the answer. I always find more technology can mean more problems. Instead of tackling every issue with a new device or app, look for ways to strategically reduce the technology footprint on campuses and in classrooms while delivering the same or better benefits. As an IT team, we are constantly asking ourselves, how can we empower teachers and students with the best learning environments possible using fewer devices? As I mentioned, she shares a few more tips that are well worth the read. Check them out. And finally, a week doesn't go by here on Innovations in Education without at least a mention of school district's number one issue, cybersecurity. It is an ever-present concern for most of us uh, accessing the internet. Unfortunately, students aren't always thinking about cyber attacks when they access sites for curriculum, research, and entertainment from their one-to-one devices. You know, they're so prevalent now since the pandemic. Schools' exposures to cyber attacks have also greatly increased due to that expanded remote and hyperflex learning environment that we've had to deal with since 2020. I had the pleasure to meet with Betsy Klein. She's a software specialist and team lead at Lenovo. Adam Benjamin, who is director of Lenovo and Sentinel One's partnership. And DJ Whitlock. She's a senior sales engineer for Absolute Software. On what the state of play looks like for cybersecurity in schools, and what are the best steps that they can take to defend themselves? Here's a snippet. Betsy, we'll start with you talking about what the kind of the, the state of play is in cybersecurity. I mean, it's, it has always been a topic of conversation that is top of mind for, for leaders, but e- even more so now, right? Absolutely. And not to be punny there, but we have found that since the pandemic, the initial need was we've got to get devices in hands of students because they've got to keep learning, right? And so it was buying up all of the devices as quickly as they could, because that's what the technical staff needed to do. But then when they had a moment to pause, where am I leaving holes in my network? What am I going to do about endpoint management? What am I going to do about getting this device back? And so that's where the discussion is really shifted today, because now we know these schools have these devices, they're in the hands, they have replacement devices for these students, but now how do we keep our network and our students and our staff safe? And I think that's what our call is really going to be about today with both Adam and DJ. They are, they are experts in this field. We have exclusive relationships with them, like you had said, Kevin, that allow us to offer our schools extra security layers and confidence in the fact that they're protecting you know, data. I'm sure we're all seeing the need for these data privacy agreements and things like that as they come, uh, as they're looking at different softwares and things along those lines. And that's something we can all address. Yeah. And I know that there's you know a number of different types of cybersecurity threats. And I think uh, folks who are out there in, in the audience will read in the newspaper all these various things that not only for schools, but just in general, but specifically for schools, there seem to be specific threats when it comes to phishing attempts. Uh, There's malware attempts. But Adam, you were mentioning that ransomware seems to be kind of a primary threat that is really hitting schools the hardest. Can you talk a little bit about maybe each of those threats, but maybe starting off with ransomware? Yeah, I think ransomware uh, um, is one of those 
that's the explosion, right? Everybody's that makes the big news splash. That's a very, you know, point in time detonation of an attack at a customer's site. But all of those things, phishing, other forms of malware. When we, if you look at like the LAUSD example from a couple of weeks ago, a little three weeks ago now, we all saw when they got hit with ransomware, but they probably have been hacked or attacked months before that, right? Was somebody phishing for credentials in their organization? Somebody planting malware in their environment? If you look at what happened with LAUSD, when they, when they, and I would say rightly, but that's up for debate, didn't pay the ransomware, then some of their data got leaked. Well, you know that the attackers must have been in there for some amount of time to be able to exfiltrate or copy that data off of their, off of their networks, off of their devices. So that's what they're, you know, K-12 and school districts especially are up against. And for the bad actors, it's just a money, it's all about money, right? That's why they do what they do. They want to make money in a, you know, not a good way, but that's what motivates them. That's what they, what they look for from an attacker. You know, why am I going to pick on this school district or this customer or this whoever manufacturing plant? It's because they want to get paid, right? That's, they go for the low hanging fruit from a pay perspective. To hear the full conversation, you can go up into eschoolnews.com, go under the webinar tab, which I would highly encourage. The conversation was really great, and I think it will be really important for anyone who's concerned about this stuff. It's called Digital Safety for Students, Keeping Student Data Private and Access Secure. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the edtech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.